My name is Arham Alam. And I'm Manu John. And welcome to Swamp Talk, where we swamp the talk and talk the swamp. Today, we're going to be talking about the last two nights of the Democratic National Debate. Yeah. Well, not, not last two nights. Uh, the, was it yesterday? Tuesday. No, it was the day before yesterday. So it was on July, on Tuesday, July 30th, and Wednesday, July 31st. Okay, well, I've lost all sense of time and feeling in my toes, so I mean, like, you're not gonna... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. It's okay. Uh, so, Manu, you me- you were the only one that really actually watched all of them. I'm ma- I'm basing most of my, inf- uh, my knowledge off of snippets and um, whatever Tulsi Gabbard was doing to Kamala Harris. So, I mean, uh, what did you get from the debate, for the most part? Well, I was going to ask you, but, like, <laughs> um, there's so much, like, are you, well, I guess we can start off by, like, who our favorite candidates were, like, before the debates. Did you have any, like, well, favorite candidates? I'm not, well, I consider myself more towards the center, so, obviously, you got to put, um, I would probably put Joe Biden up there, but my only... The thing is, a lot of the actual intelligent candidates in my... Well, not necessarily intelligent, but, like, candidates you know, who know their stuff are a little bit more to the left. So, your Elizabeth right. Warrens, your Julian Castro's... I mean, I don't know how far left Julian Castro is, but he seems, in my opinion, a lot more left than what mainstream... What the center is, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had, like, before the debates, I had, like, three people that I thought were my favorite. I had two moderates and one progressive. Maul Harris were, one of them? <laughs> hell no, no. Um, okay. <laughs> no, so my two uh, moderate candidates was Joe Biden okay. and uh, Amy Klobuchar. Amy, right? Amy Klobuchar, yeah. yeah Amy Klobuchar. Oh yeah, that's, um, that's true. That's a good pick. Yeah, she was really good moderate. I think she was like ranked like the most bipartisan senator like, she passed the most bills, like, in 2015 and 2016. And she yeah, passed- but let's be frank. She's not really gaining much traction in the field. If anything, yeah. no offense, she's going to be dropping out soon. She should be. No, I think she already qualified for the September debates. Did she? Yeah. I don't know. They're- she's probably – we'll get onto it later, but I really think the DNC is kind of botching the whole debate situation, but we'll get onto that later. You yeah. keep going. Well, in terms of the next debate, like – there are 25 candidates right now, and only eight have qualified, and she's one of the eight. The thing is, well, in terms of debate performance, she clearly didn't do good enough. Like, I think out of my uh, my three favorite candidates, she didn't do good enough. But, like, I really like her because she's so bipartisan. She's so effective. Yeah. Oh, and my third person is, you know, my progressive gal, Tulsi Gabbard. You know? Mm-hmm. So, she had a really good night. But do you have, like, who do you think did, had the best debate performance? Like, who were, which, like, candidates do you think did the best? Um, that's not really a great question to ask me, because, again, I haven't really watched much of the debate. In my opinion, I don't really think you gained anything from the debates. The debates, I, I mean, there's no actual substantive information that comes from the debate. All you hear is just bickering, for the most part. And also, if you really want to learn anything about any of the candidates, you go onto their campaign website and see what they're fighting for. Or even then, you look at their history. But, besides that, um, I think, well, 
I would say, well, obviously, I don't think Beto's not doing too well. He, he's definitely not. I would say John Delaney. He's been actually stepping it up a bit. And, oh, uh, Governor Montana. Um, Steve Bullock. Yeah, Steve Bullock. Granted, he didn't qualify for the first debates. He did actually manage to pull himself from the bootstraps and actually, like, insert himself into the debate. At, at times, it was kind of weird the way he did it. A little bit cringeworthy, if I may. But besides that, he actually managed to put himself in as a moderate. That's also another guy I would, like, if I was eligible to vote, I would maybe vote for him um, for, um, like, as the Democratic nominee, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way I see it is, like, so you're talking about those two are from the first side. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually thought all the moderates in the first night really lost because... None of them were able to distinguish distinguish themselves. They were all fighting Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Yes, that's so a lot true. Of the that's definitely true. Was going to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. So they had a lot of substantive points, but they weren't able to distinguish. Yeah, I know. I only I only point out Steve Bullock because he. I think he was the first one to actually pull the trigger on it. He was the well, first one to start call, calling them out. If if it was either him or John Delaney. In yeah. that situation. Like, those two guys were, like, the major hitters. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you. The only thing is, like, I think especially for the moderate candidates, everyone is looking at Joe Biden, and none of them are able to distinguish themselves because Joe Biden is, like, like he is so closely associated with Barack Obama, who has, like, a 95% uh, popular, uh, like, um, approval rating in the Democratic Party since he's so popular. He's gaining a lot of traction and he has a lot of the, uh, a lot of the voters associate themselves with Joe Biden. So I feel like with the moderate candidates, they're really having a tough time. So I think in terms of the first debate, the progressives really won. Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, it was really Bernie and Elizabeth Warren against Rush. I was surprised they didn't attack each, uh, each other because, like, they both seem like they're pool, uh, pooling from the same group of voters. Mm-hmm. But, like, they both really, I, I don't like progressives generally, but they did have a lot of moments. I, all the pundits are saying Warren won the debate. I actually thought that Bernie did better. And yeah, he had a couple of memorable moments. Like, remember when he said, I wrote the damn bill? Oh, my God. Bro, I started having a seizure after that. Well, not really. I started, like, it, that was actually yeah, that was a pretty good. pivotal moment, if I'm not going to and also the second thing was, I remember, I don't remember who the candidate was, but I think it was John Delaney, I'm, I may be wrong, but like, he, one of the moderates were saying, was saying something, and Bernie had his hands up, he was just like, he, you know, he, he's like, oh no, it was Hickenlooper, I'm pretty sure that was saying, it was oh, talking. Oh, it was, yeah, it was Hickenlooper. Yeah. And he had his hands up, and Hickenlooper uh, mocked him for like, shaking his hands when he was speaking, uh-huh. and Bernie, like, he... He didn't let that get to him. He kind of embraced it, which I thought was kind of interesting. So yeah. I actually thought Bernie had a good night, a uh, really good night in terms mm-hmm. of the first debate. Because I feel like what's been happening with Bernie is that Elizabeth Warren, she's much more articulate than Bernie Sanders. And she's been mm-hmm. gaining a lot of the traction uh, because the, they each have their pros and cons. When I look at Elizabeth Warren, she's like, uh, she... she I call it inclusive uh, populism. She's able to talk more about minorities, where Bernie Sanders really is not able to embrace minorities the way that Elizabeth Warren has. Mm -hmm. But Bernie is like, 
the first progressive. So a lot of people are like, he's been saying the same thing for 30 years. That's true. So that's his pro. And I just feel like Elizabeth Warren has been stealing a lot of his votes. And I think he really distinguished himself in the yeah, first I think definitely. Um, I was actually had a question. Where do you where would you put uh, place Buddha Judge? Was he there on the first night? Yeah, like on like in terms of the spectrum of Democrats, like would you consider him more center, more left? I would think he was a bit more left. I don't think he's a Bernie Sanders kind of. No, no, definitely not. No, he's not in the Sanders or Warren area, but like he's still like pretty left. He's. To me, he's kind really left. He's left, but I actually consider him more of a moderate. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a lot of like the. I don't, I don't even think he supports Medicare for all because the things he were talk he was talking about. Like when you listen to him, he wasn't very specific on policy. One of the reasons people like progressives are they're really specific on policy, while moderates are more talking about things that really are like we need to unite the country. We need to fight Republicans. More of these like vague ideas versus specific policies and that was more where Buttigieg was because yeah I mean maybe that's you have a good point there kind of I think it's more that they are mostly attacking these more um liberal plans without providing a viable solution of their own I mean sometimes they do but for the most part they just consider them um like I remember uh he, okay, uh, Bullock was characterizing them. It wasn't pipe dreams. It was, well, uh, dream. It was something. It was like, it was something similar to pipe dreams. He was just saying that all these democratic plans, they cost so much. It was like wish list. That's what he characterized them as. They're wish list ideas, basically. Yeah. And I, I think, sure, you can call them wish list ideas all you want, but where's the alternative? Like, you're not providing one. And even if you are, like, you're not going into it and if you want to if these guys really want to call out these medicare for all plans or something like that they need to really hit them on the price tag point of view if they because really in the end of the day medicare for all is a huge government undertaking and okay you're gonna have some people just like oh i don't like government interference interference okay sure but you're gonna have a lot more people saying Okay, but what about the deficit? We already are in trillions of dollars of debt, and now you want to add more debt on top of that while also possibly taxing the middle class if you go with Bernie Sanders' plan. I think he said he would be taxing the middle class further. Yeah, that's his tax. Yeah. Now, whether or, whether or not Warren would do that is questionable because I'm pretty sure they asked, but she like she circumvented the whole question. Now, yeah. What she was saying was she was saying – so she tried making this argument that – she didn't want to say that she was taxing the middle class more. She was trying to make an argument that the total price, like the total cost of healthcare for the average middle class family will go down. And all of that is debatable. Um, and the other big point is the private insurance. There are a lot of people who have private insurance who like their private insurance. And a lot of these progressives are not willing to say that they are removing people from private insurance. And you got to be honest with the American people. That's what you're doing. That's why, like That's Sanders, true. he tells the truth. He say he he admits that you're going to lose your private insurance. And if you support Medifra, uh, Medicare for all, you you have to say that because it's really important to be genuine to the American people. Yeah, but the, the moderates support the public option. That's yeah. what their take on uh, healthcare is. I just feel like generally for moderates, like. Progressives are really able to, like, sell their policy well because, like, 
it's so easy. Like free childcare, free healthcare. It's like easy to sell those things. Like yeah, uh, modern, modern plans are much more complicated. So it's just harder to sell to the American people in a really packageable way. What and what do you think about the second night? The second night. Well, I mean, I didn't really watch any from the second night. I mean, all I heard was that there was a lot of bickering over the judiciary, mainly um, that I think they were calling out Biden for allowing all the deportations of Mexican migrants. That's what I heard. And then also just Gabbard going after Kamala Harris's record as California Attorney General. Yeah. Now, I mean... I so I mean I guess it was more of an immigration heavy debate or like criminal justice heavy debate in the second night from what I understand and uh, I I mean I I don't know it, it, it's really confusing in my opinion the Democratic Party's like confusing in the sense that like we should be taking in asylum seekers that's for sure. It's just how you manage that, I'm honestly, like, really confused by. Because yeah. a lot of these people, they're being held in inhumane circumstances. That's definitely a fact. We know that for a fact. Okay? Yeah. And a lot of these people, they are fleeing violence in their home country. That is a fact. I mean, would you disagree? Yeah. Exactly. So, it's just what you do with this situation, I'm honestly not sure. Because, granted, a, um, migrants would definitely help with economic growth in the country. Because you would have more workers in that sense. But, well, I mean, I, I don't know. There is a risk there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention one more person who I... I, I think most people see as really crazy Marianne Williamson. From oh the my God, episode. don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, like all the dark crystals, meditation and all that. But she did. I mean, I respect her effort. She's a respectable person for going out there and showing her views. I don't, will she make much traction? Maybe. Well, I don't think she not was much. the most Google candidate from the first night in 49 out of 50 states. Oh, really? Well, that's because probably people didn't really know about her. Yeah, or they're just trying to figure out how she managed to get onto the stage in the first place. Exactly, and she got the third most amount of Twitter followers from both sides. So that's actually saying something. Yeah, but she's definitely not getting the nomination. Yeah, she's. Who do you think will actually get the nomination? What I think, I think Biden will get it. Yeah, same. I, I still really think Biden will get it. My question is, when is Obama just going to come in and like maybe like. Maybe like put in a little nom like uh put in a little endorsement there like hey let's uh, vote for Joe. Yeah, it's probably gonna I, be after like the actual convention, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I I listed four winners from the second night. Okay, one is Joe, one is Joe Biden because if you remember the first debate, he did. I like Joe Biden, but, like, he didn't prepare enough. Kamala Harris attacked him. Oh, yeah, he, he pound, was, she pounded him on busing. Yeah, he was so surprised by the attack. It was it was bad. He lost, I remember, like, polling right after the debates. Like, Kamala Harris got a lot of um, yeah. voters after the debate. I bet she lost a lot after, the, after this debate. But, yeah. And then Cory Booker. 
Cory Booker was he had that really good moment like he was talking about like in the uh, like when they, he and Joe Biden were debating criminal justice uh, Joe Biden attacked him for what he did in New York while he was mayor and he was like he said that there's this uh, saying in my community you're dipping into the Kool-Aid but you really don't know the flavor do you remember that oh yeah no I, I heard about that yeah and I thought that was really that was funny like it was interesting I yeah i heard kool-aid actually tweeted at him after that. yeah i saw that i saw that i didn't and actually I thought, read the tweet um, but i heard about that i was like okay interesting yeah i thought that was interesting i don't particularly like him but that was yeah. interesting andrew yang he had the most number of twitter followers increase he got like twenty five thousand twitter followers according to um 538 dang okay and yeah, I he was he was so I really liked his opening, closing, everything because he was very consistent. He talked on every little every issue. He talked about how his freedom dividend. I don't particularly like the freedom dividend either. Yeah. either but like uh-huh. he talked about how it would help in every situation. Like in criminal justice, he was like, if you have the freedom dividend, more people are likely to go less likely to go to jail. More people are less likely to go to jail because they can invest in themselves. Or how uh, the freedom dividend could help, like, recognize labor that we don't view as, uh, that we don't pay currently. Like, women working at, like, like being, uh, like, women working at the house. We don't necessarily, like, add value to that labor. But Uh with the freedom dividend, you actually add value to the labor. So he was really consistent on that. And his closing was really good. Mm -hmm. He talked about how... Did you see his closing statement? No, I didn't. It was... I I really enjoyed it. He talked about how last debate people were focusing on his tie and how instead of his actual policies and freedom dividend and how everyone on the stage has like makeup on their faces and stuff and people are more concerned about those kind of stuff and that's why we got donald trump because he's a reality star president oh wow i I actually have a question wasn't his opening the same one from the first debate i don't when i was listening to i was like this sounds like the first one i feel like a lot of viewers had that a lot of debate a lot of the cabinet had that so maybe i I, I don't know I may not have recognized that off the bat, but I think he did really good. Most Twitter followers, <laughs> and then my gal Tulsi Gabbard, she did so good. Most Google candidate again, again she was the most Google candidate last time, mm-hmm. and again this time. So wait, all, are you like endorsing her or what? I, don't, I like in all fifty states, and in terms of endorsements, you're do you, um, I think Twitter's founder Jack Dorsey. I heard. I think he endorsed her. Or no, I'm her asking about your endorsement though. Like, would you endorse her? I like her. I really like her. Um, for me, I think that Joe Biden and Tulsi Gabbard as vice president would make a really good. That's an uh, interesting ticket. ticket. Yeah, you expect I, like a Stacey Abrams to slip in there, but I mean, yeah, I think Joe Biden would prefer Stacey Abrams because. I, I'm not going to lie, I think identity politics is really important to the Democratic base, and Stacey Abrams has a lot of those checkboxes, and she's also really articulate, and she doesn't have a lot of the flaws that Tulsi Gabbard has in terms of her past. Like, true. Because you can't say she's like an Assad apologist or anything like that, but a lot of people smear Tulsi Gabbard, and I think those smears are horrible because they're very, they're not really grounded, but she doesn't have all that baggage. So those four had a re- Biden, Booker, Yang, and Gabbard have a, had a good night. Okay. And in terms of losers for the second uh, second debate, Gillibrand. Oh my! I literally cannot deal with Gillibrand. She is she's yeah. 
she annoys me. I, I, I don't know if there's another way to put it. Like, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't, I know I haven't really been talking much about this. I don't really like to, I, I don't really see the point of picking winners and losers from this debate, to be frank, or any debate, honestly. You know, because, look, in the end of the day, the debate, it's just a circus, I guess, in a sense. And, yeah, like, but our, picking we, winners and losers, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I'll respect what you do, but, like, I don't see the point. Well, for, for me, I think, I know you are a really policy kind of guy, so that's why you go onto the campaign websites and everything, but you got to remember that most Americans are not like you. Most Americans get a lot of their information just from the debates. It's their first impressions. It's how they decide who's their favorite candidate because they just don't have the time to delve into the policy. So the debates are really important because they get t- uh, tens of millions of viewers. So it's really important yeah. to get So that's why I say Gillibrand because I thought, do you remember, did you see her attack against Joe Biden? I did not. I don't think so. She, she, um, she did a lot of like opposition opposition research, and she found like this um, this like one op ed that Joe Biden wrote, where uh, where she said that he was saying that having uh, um, child care programs deteriorates families, and she said that. Oh he, wait, yeah, I, I heard about that or so. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and I think that was really disingenuous. Like people looked at the op ed and it didn't say that at all. It was really disingenuous. So basically, you're just saying she mischaracterized what he wrote. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, really from the first debate, the only person I really have somewhat some beef with is Pete Buttigieg or Mayor Buttigieg, mainly because um, he was talking about how um, Republicans, no matter what, they're going to. Yeah, call Democrats crazy liberals. So we should just so they should or yeah, crazy socialists, and that no matter what we they should just fight for whatever plan they have. Granted, I guess in a sense that's not a bad idea, but like, look, in the end of the day, you're not going to get anything done without bipartisanship. If the Democrats don't win the Senate in 2020, let's say hypothetically, if there was a Buttigieg presidency, nothing's going to happen. Because he's set in his own ways, and then Mitch McConnell and um, the Republicans would probably be set in their own their own ways. And so, if there is a more bipartisan uh, cooperation there, you're just gonna you're just gonna have a lame duck presidency right there, like from the beginning. And the other thing, which is really annoying, was throughout the debate. When these candidates didn't have answers, especially the progressives. Oh yeah, keep going. Especially the progressives, they said they kept saying that, um, uh, like those are Republican talking points. Those are Republican talking. Oh yeah, points. I heard. Yeah, those I heard are Republican that. talking I... points. And basically, what you're telling me is you don't have an answer to the question because that's not really an answer at all. Like whenever they talked about the deficits and stuff, Elizabeth Warren and everyone was like, those are Republican talking points. And I'm, and I think voters care about the deficit. So just answer the question. Yeah. And you know, the problem I'm also seeing here is that the, these guys have to remember they're running for president of the whole United States, not just the Democrats. Sure. They're maybe trying to attract Democrats right now, but in the end of the day, when they're running against Donald Trump, either him or Bill Weld, but Bill Weld's definitely not going to win um, the Republican nomination. Huh? Wait, who did you say Bill? 
Bill Weld. He's a former governor of Massachusetts who's running for uh, the Republican nomination. He's definitely not going to win. But like he's, I've never even heard of him. So. Yeah, no, he, exactly. He's in the he's technically in the primaries, but I, I, I would I would be surprised if he hasn't dropped out by now. I but is whatever. there even a precedent in history where you don't where the incumbent president from your party is not your nominee? I don't think there's a precedent like that. I, I mean, because actually do some, uh, well. Well, there may be, but. Generally, that it doesn't make sense because Donald Trump has such popularity with the Republican base; it's just not going to work. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, I, I mean, either way, that that's that campaign's going nowhere. But that's besides the point. Um, and I also wanted to get back to the two other losers that I have for the second. Okay, yeah, we'll get back to that. What was I just talking about? Oh my god, <laughs> I just lost my train of thought for a second. Yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, the Democrats of um, sorry. Um, the Democrats are tracking to Republicans. Look, in the end of the day, most Americans are moderates. So yeah. these Democrats, if they are intent on winning, they need to address these Republican talking points. They need to reach across the aisle and recognize that, yes, the Republicans have a point. Because in the end of the day, Republicans, they aren't crazy people. They are sensible. So are the Democrats, too. If they just come to the table, then maybe something can happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I just want to address the two other people who I thought were losers for the second Dem- Democratic night. One is Bill de Blasio, basically the new- the mayor from New York, the basically the fourth moderator of the <laughs> of the second debate because he kept asking Joe Biden questions and oh really? It was so annoying because he just interrupts people. And I don't know if that's like a New Yorker thing. It's probably a New Yorker thing. Well, I mean, a lot of people were interrupted throughout the first and second debate, so I don't necessarily think you can generalize it. Well, it was a joke, but like, basically, like, he was just like, he kept asking Joe, uh, Joe Biden, like, what do you think about this policy? What do you think about this policy? And I, 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 I thought it was a little annoying and a little off-putting. And then... Maybe yeah. I I think their campaign was just trying to do trying to go with some new strategy because look um he's in a pretty vulnerable position you um there was news that he apparently delayed an airplane flight f- for a couple hours because he had to go into the view and then he decided not to leave Iowa to go back to New York after the power outage that happened there and then a bunch of people from the view um then started criticizing him on Twitter, calling him out, um, talking about how he just never came back to New York after um after the power outage happened, and I he's just on bad ground at this point. I, I mean, I love the view. I watch, I basically watch the view every day. But I mean, anyway. okay. <laughs> and the last loser, and I think the biggest loser the biggest was loser. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. You have think, a weird beef with Kamala Harris. Yeah, I, I, di- I strongly dislike Kamala Harris, and I'm not gonna lie. I think Tulsi Gabbard exposed her for the fraud she is. So, Manu, well, if you, I, I really yeah, have huge resentment for Kamala Harris for multiple reasons. Yeah, uh, we should probably like tell people like from the beginning, hey, this is an opinion show. This is like if you're looking for yeah. news, do not come here because clearly Manu is a partisan hack. <laughs> I am definitely a partisan hack, but I think that if she, her whole campaign 
was on the idea that she's going to be this prosecutor president, that she's going to prosecute the case against Donald Trump, her words. And she, her, she wouldn't make a half bad AG, I don't think. Yeah, maybe. But like, I think when Tulsi Gabbard exposed her history as the prosecutor, that does bring into question too. So what basically, her, even her slogan for the campaign is based on for the people, I think. And yes, Kamala Harris for the people. Yeah, and I think that's inspired by the justice element of her being a prosecutor. So she was the state prosecutor for California, and, to, and she keeps saying that she's this really progressive prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And Tulsi Gabbard really uh, hit her. She said, like, four different things. Like, she uh, spit out all these facts saying that... Uh, so it was, like, 1,500 cases of marijuana that yeah. she prosecuted well, like, against... Then apparently on, I, I know what you're talking about, at least one of them. And then apparently um, Harris joked about smoking weed in college on, I think, the what's that show? Club. It was, it's like with Charlemagne the God and like a the couple other people. Club. The Breakfast the Club. Breakfast. Okay, thanks, Manu. <laughs> I said it four times, but yeah. yeah. I'm really passionate about this. <laughs> yeah. Here, uh, yeah. We're going to get back to you on that, Manu. We're going to take a small break. Uh, this break is brought to you by Manu Streaming. Uh, good one second. So, uh, okay, we'll be right back. Wait, no! Okay, we're back from our uh, break. I hope you enjoyed Manu Screaming. Let's get back. Um, so, Manu, what were you talking about earlier? Yeah, so it's about Kamala Harris and okay. um, her prosecutor history. And Tulsi Gabbard really brought that into question. So um, she said a couple things, like Kamala Harris like extended people's sentences far beyond their term so she could use them as cheap labor for the state of California. Oh, yeah, I heard about that, too. Yeah, yeah. so it was things like um, people being firefighters to like remove the California wildfires. So uh, was this all fact-checked? Yeah, I looked at a couple. Uh, these... Was it was written by an uh, I think an op-ed by a person who worked with Kamala Harris while she was a prosecutor. An op-ed. I well well I don't know. look. Only reason why I question is because I, I don't an op-ed is an opinion piece. Well, so true. like you don't really no, want like, to rely on an opinion piece lot, for your information. I'm just saying. No, no, I, I definitely agree with that. But also a lot of like. Um, news organizations like CNN ran these stories, so they would have definitely corrected it if she said something obscenely false. So clear, like because I've been watching a lot of the analysis of the debate, and nobody called to question the actual okay. uh, the uh, the actual facts about what she said, the actual opinions or facts of what she said. And Kamala Harris would have actually had a good response to it if it wasn't if it was true. If it wasn't true, she would have probably had a better response to it because she could have called. She could have called it a lie, and that would have. What did she say in response? She just based. She literally just said, "I'm proud of my history for running a state of 40 million people, and that California, her work as prosecutor, made California model for criminal justice." And that wasn't a response at all. She really didn't respond to the individual points. Mm-hmm. The only thing she said specific was that she has a personal thing against um, against uh, capital punishment. But clearly, one of the things that Tulsi Gabbard said was um, 
that she may be inconsistent on that position. And that's one of the other reasons I don't like Kamala Harris. She's been very inconsistent throughout this whole campaign, in my opinion, because she, I think she's, she came out saying that she doesn't support Medicare for all. Then she said she does support Medicare for all. And she went on and on, like switching her positions, flip-flopping on the issues. And finally, she... Where'd you hear this from? So I, I've been following her campaign because I actually okay. was kind of interested in the beginning, and she com- like she completely flip flops on it on basically every issue, and even on what Medicare. What does her website say? What? What does her website say? No, she 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 came out with a plan just recently, right on the Friday before the debate. So okay. she finally came out with a plan, which was basically Medicare for all, uh, with three big differences. Okay. And the differences were instead of a four-year transition period, it would be a 10-year transition period. And this is all from the top of my mind. The, se- the second is instead of a middle-class tax, it's a tax on the wealthy. And uh, what was the third thing? I think the third thing was it allows more private insurance. But that doesn't really fit with Medicare for All. So it's a very weird plan, just in general. So... I don't know. And I feel like if you want to be a president, you need to be a visionary. You need to have a vision for the country. And I think Joe Biden, when you look at his positions, he has a vision. He's a real moderate. He wants to bring back stability to the White House. And I just don't see that vision with Kamala Harris. So that was why I find it a little Well, I mean, I'm on her website right now. Um, Trying to look. Okay, so quality, affordable health care for all. Oh, and one more thing. Right after the debates, I'm going to quote, I'm on CNN. Yeah, so she says she believes we must guarantee Medicare for all. Yeah. Okay. She finally finalized her. I don't know if she's going to flip-flop later, but that's her position right now. And after the debates, she was asked, because it was one of the biggest moments from the second Democratic debate, and she was asked what she felt about the attack. And I'm quoting her. This is going to sound immodest. But obviously, I'm a top-tier candidate, and so I did expect that I'd be on the stage and take some hits tonight. When people are at zero or one percent, or whatever she might be at. Oh, yeah, I heard that. So I did expect to take some hits tonight. And, yeah, that really does sound immodest. Like, like, one percent, like... I mean, some people could say that just kind of sounds cavalier. Like, okay, yeah, no, she, like, the, like... She's like, I guess, fearless? I don't know. I don't know, but, like, let's remember that Hillary Clinton lost the election to Trump in key states by those small percentage points. So those 0 and 1%, like, that matters in elections. Like, those small percentage points, that's the difference between if you win and lose. And you can't just write up voters and candidates. And the second thing was, she, you should never even say, like, if you're starting off a sentence with "this is good to sound immodest," it's probably you probably shouldn't say. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, it, and I mean, you could say that maybe it just sounds like that she's saying that she's kind of like discounting, like she's saying that okay, not every vote counts. You know, like that, like one percent, like that doesn't really matter because I'm clearly a big hitter here. But I mean, then again, I mean, I I think she just sounds she's she's kind of exuding confidence in that situation. That she knows that even though she's taking hits from, I guess, um, these more minor candidates, that she can handle it, that she can get ahead, she can look above it. You know what I mean? 
I, I, I mean, I know you're looking at me weirdly, Manu. I can see your face. But. I'm you, just you a big That's fake news. If I knew it. <laughs> um, but, I, I, I mean, you gotta give her some credit. That, like, she, she's definitely trying to stick her neck out there. And in the end of the day, I mean, given the political atmosphere and environment now, the fact that she said that, it really doesn't sound that horrible. Let's just compare what she's, um, what she says to compare, um, to, and compare to what, um, President Trump has said, and it's like, it's not, it's nothing too bad. Well, I guess that's true, but I think the problem is Donald Trump has said so many bad things, but I feel like the media has attacked him so much, it seems like nothing matters anymore. They've numbed us to what he says. They've created a climate where what he says doesn't matter anymore. So I, it, like, what he yeah, says... Yeah, that's true. Now. And that's why, and I've actually kind of realized this now, because I was um, reading something about some um, a bunch of Republican senators being really tired about the whole thing, uh, about the whole, like, all these dilemmas and things like that. And if you really just look past the tweets and look what's actually happening on Capitol Hill, you can see that really our lawmakers are actually being pretty productive. I mean, like, I know recently Senator Josh Hawley has introduced a bill basically limiting the amount of time you spend on, like, social media or something like that. So it kind of, like, bans and limits scrolling. Whether or not that will actually um, pass Congress, that's uh, another thing to say on another – that's another thing to say on another day. I don't – I highly doubt it will pass either way, but, I mean, maybe it will. You never know. But it kind of shows – it's just one instance where there's progress happening. It's just – it's not in the spotlight. And it's the unfortunate part that's true. Uh, well, I actually disagree with you in the sense that I actually think – I think you. I think you would agree, right? Congress is the most unproductive branch of government, generally. Right? No, it has been unproductive, but like, um, if you look at like major things that are happening, but if you look under that, there are smaller things that uh, smaller bills, laws, what have you, taking place, uh, um, th- that are being passed in Congress. Think about it. So, for example, Amy Klobuchar, she's a Democrat in a republicly a Republican majority Senate, yet she's still the most productive senator. If yeah. you said that Congress was unproductive, it like just finite. Congress is unproductive. Then how explain to me how Amy Klobuchar, Senator Amy Klobuchar would be the most productive senator when it comes to make passing bills, laws, what have you, you know? Well, I definitely agree with that. That's why when I, I like Amy Klobuchar, but I think, especially, I think the American people expect. That's one of the reasons why the progressive movement has gotten so big is that they want radical change, especially on the both sides of the political spectrum. Want radical change? Yeah. And I can only think two major bills since Donald Trump was elected that has passed, which is one, the tax cuts, mm-hmm. and two. The first step back, which was a solution to criminal justice. Yeah, I really can't think of anything else because, like, I know in the House they had like a bit, like they passed a major, they passed major legislation on gun control, but that's going nowhere in the Senate, and vice versa. Republicans have major bills like infrastructure that's going nowhere in the House. Well, I'm pretty sure they got like a like a 
government funding bill through Congress. I know a lot of Republicans weren't a big fan of it because it increased spending, but they did manage to get it through. And they also had the first responders thing, remember? Oh, yeah, the 9-11, the fund for that. Yeah, that's true. But let's get on top of it for a second. So actually, I think I said earlier in the episode I wanted to talk about what the DNC did and how they're kind of botching the whole thing. The DNC really needs to start cutting down on the number of candidates you have. I was actually listening to uh, New York Times Daily this morning, and they were talking about how um, Lincoln-Douglas debates, basically, um, how each of them had at least like 15 minutes to elaborate and debate with each other. Now, granted, yes, it was only two people, but it shows you how you can't have substantive debate when you're when you're limited to 60 seconds or 30 seconds. And I really, really think the DNC needs to immediately just cut as many, like, raise the bar so that you can cut as many people as possible from the running. Now, while it is a good idea to give people as many options as possible, it's not a good idea to have good options, especially for um, um, for moderate voters, people who are still on the fence between voting Republican and voting Democrat. Um, you need to provide them with options that are not only, I guess, concrete, but also in-depth. Right now, you're getting snapshots. And, like, I was hearing today, like, how... Uh, people like Beto O'Rourke can't thrive in that environment because he relies on these like five minutes or more to explain his point rather than the 30 seconds or 60 seconds he's afforded, which is why people like him may be failing during well, the debates. I, I don't know about Beto O'Rourke, but I think if you're looking at the next debates, the September debates... I mean, that's, they're just using him as an example of yeah, like, yeah. why he wasn't as successful. Well, I think there are many other reasons why he hasn't been successful. That's actually. true. Yeah, there are like probably the reasons. Texas primary, but do you remember when he came out of his, like, when he said he decided to run and he had that vote cover where he was like, I am born to run? I don't recall. Well. Uh, wait, Vogue? Yeah, it was. Oh, I, vote. yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard about that. I thought you said vote cover. I'm like, what is vote? I was like, no. <laughs> oh, no, Vogue. Vogue, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that was a little, it's a weird thing to say that you're bored to run to be president. So Well, again, that's just, think, that's just to show confidence. That's it. Well, It's, like, it's people, like the same thing with the Kamala Harris thing. It's like all they're trying to do is show confidence to the American people that um, they were, like, that they were determined to do this, that they should be the one to lead because they were supposed to be the one. They are the chosen Well, it also kind of sounds narcissistic, but he's had a lot of slip-ups. Well, again, presidents, I mean, if you're running for president, you kind of have to be a narcissist. You have to advocate for yourself, in a sense. I mean, it's yeah, it, it, it's been proven over the years that, like, um, well, I, 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 I shouldn't but, say proven, like, but, like, a at- common trait from what I've heard is that some presidents can be a little bit narcissistic. But, like, when you're looking at people like Joe Biden, like, you look at a person who has such a good service record, a person you know is a huge patriot for this country, who really wants to help common people. I look at him like a narcissist, and that's one of the reasons why he's getting traction, because he's middle-class Joe. He re- it seems like he really cares about the average person. So yeah, that's I- true. But I think that's still a different context, though. 
well, it's changing the context. But that's besides the point. I also I, wanted to bring up the point where sure. you were saying about narrowing the democratic field. Um, the I think the the September debates have upped the ante. You need twice the amount of uh, you need like earlier it was one percent polling. Now you need at least two percent polling in like four or five major polls. And you need to get from 64,000 donors is now 128,000 donors or 100 something thousand donors. So I'm sure more, I feel like over half the field is going to go away. And it should be that there's going to be a singular debate instead of two debates. So they're narrowing the field and it should help the American voters. And I agree, like this large field of like 25 candidates, it's impossible for Americans to make choices and well, I mean, like, informed choices. I mean, they can make as many choices as they want, but, like, the main thing, the thing I've, I'm advocating for, really, is informed choices. Yeah. Because the beautiful thing about democracy, in my opinion, is that even if we do take a wrong step, there is a way to rescind that step and to go in a different direction. But if we can prevent going in the wrong step in the beginning by knowing the policies of these candidates and their ways of funding these policies and whether or not like they can actually um, go um, get it through Congress, for example, if for example, uh, if hypothetically Republicans were to, well, let's just say it was a Democratic president, okay, um, and they would hypothetically try to get Medicare through all for all, excuse me, through Congress. If it was like Republican held or something like that, you know? Yeah. I I don't, yeah. It'd be so hard because I don't see the Senate flipping to Democrats. I, because Me neither. I don't think so. I, think gonna, I wouldn't be surprised if Republicans are going to add their majority because of states like Alabama, which, because you know Doug Jones won Alabama. Yeah, that's I, true. And he may lose the. He most likely is. Such a ruby red state. Yeah, I well, you never know. I mean, he did pull off the impossible once. He could always well, pull it off again. The there is talk that um, Roy Moore is running again. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. He actually may win because it was so close. Like, Repo- uh, like Dem- Alabama is such a ruby red state. Like Trump won state by so like by large margin. So it may happen. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully, like I don't want a person with such a flawed record and someone who seems like an awful human being to be on the senate but anyways yeah it seems like the republicans are going to increase the majority so it'll be hard that I, I i don't even think medicare has support for most democrats because most democrats are moderates like i feel like if you try pushing for medicare for all like the midterms after the general election it's going to be such a devastating loss. Well, look, I mean, even let's say, let's say that you have Warren or Bernie winning, okay, and they become president. The Democrats, they're not going to try fight them on this. Maybe like on like a, on a minor scale, but really, they're going to do what the Republicans did with Trump. They're going to probably fall in line. Let's well, be honest. The thing, the thing with uh, Republicans are they're much as a party. They're much more effective in the sense that uh, whenever they have a president, everybody else steps in line. There's less infighting. Democrats have this huge infighting. Republicans had in 2010 with the Tea Party, but they don't have that problem anymore. Uh, Democrats have this huge divide between socialist, like progressives and moderates. So there may be a huge fight to get 
the Medicare uh, bill passed. I guess the president will have the mandate from the people, but like people, like these Congress people are worried about House elections. They're worried about their re-election chances. And I think Medicare for All will really um, weaken those chances. And I, I, would- I, I, you may have a point. I, I still really believe they're probably going to fall in line, and they're pro- they're 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 just going. They're going to look again, as I said before, even if we did have because I feel the rebelling, I guess, rebelling uh, faction, I'm putting air quotes there because I guess in a sense they are would be the squad, you know, AOC. uh, Yeah, you know, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think um, in that sense, they like I know Nancy Pelosi has been butting heads with them a little bit. But if we did have, let's say a Warren presidency, then they'll probably fall in line. And so will the rest of the Democratic Party, because in the end of the day, they're going to realize that, look, if they do nothing, that's not going to reflect well on them. But if they do something, it'll show, okay, um, we haven't just wasted all your taxpayer money paying our wages. We actually did stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Do you like the squad? It's kind of off question. Um, do I agree with them politically? No. But I actually have a lot of respect for them because they're, uh, again, they're very cavalier. They, they're they not afraid to step out of the norm or step out of the mainstream and still nonetheless advocate for what they want. But again, I'd like to emphasize, I do not support what they advocate. I am... No, it's just off question. It's yeah. not even on topic anymore. I I don't agree with the squad at all. And I find yeah. a lot of their members quite problematic. All Well, all their pro- uh, members are problematic. They've all said some radical things in my mind, but maybe yeah, that's why I'm I don't looking know. for a I, 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 I still have a tremendous respect for them because, I mean... No, I have respect because, like, Youngest congresswoman, first black congresswoman. Uh, well, no, president. not not just that, but it's just they're they're still they're not they're willing to say pretty controversial stuff, and sometimes well, they do have a point. I think, I think that's why they're popular because they say controversial stuff. Yeah. Like, because I, well, I mean, they at least like speak their mind. I mean, I don't yeah, know. If without that's a good thing. Yeah, college. yeah, that's true. That all it's not always. Good that some people speak their mind, but like, um, I mean, I, they're frank, so that's yeah. A good point. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you have anything else to add on? Well, the- let's close it off by talking about ending the conversation on the Democratic debates. Okay. Do you, do you like any of the policies? Like any policy that is, is anything resonating with you? Well, I obviously do like the public option, providing the American people with as many options as possible to choose their health care. Um, I definitely do like that. Um, but really, that's all I've been hearing. It's mostly been healthcare. It's mainly been a healthcare debate for the most part. Yeah, I, I mean, like- if there, uh, besides that, there's also been an immigration debate. In terms of decriminalizing, well, no, decriminalizing is not is not the right phrasing. It could be, but I don't think it is. It's what? It is decriminalizing border crossings. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So decriminalizing border crossings. That's an interesting idea. Whether or not I support it, I don't. Well, I feel like I'm very excited about it because this is a problem. Democrats need to realize that. 
they have a primary to win. I mean, a, a general election to win. Yeah. All these policies may sound good in a primary, but you need to, like, your sole focus should be beating Donald Trump at winning in 2020 and, like, decriminalizing border crossings. 60% of Americans oppose that idea. Giving healthcare to illegal immigrants. Um, 60% of Americans oppose that idea. All of these Where are you getting these stats from? I'm just curious. I haven't heard about this. I've heard that polling data a lot. Um, I could search shit out. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll, we'll go over that real quickly. Because we may have to wrap this up soon. But, how many Americans oppose border crossings? No, oh, look at Opposed giving healthcare. Yeah, you, you go with that. I honestly think, um, you know, it's just the only thing holding me back is just the plight of the people. I feel okay, bad. Okay, Washington Examiner. There, um, the headline is: Most Americans reject government healthcare for illegal immigrants. Poll. A new poll by CNN shows large. Okay, so the poll released Monday. This is by CNN. Found fifty-eight percent of Americans. Oppose giving government back healthcare to illegal immigrants. So there you go. Um, basically, these are re- like all these things will only create a bigger crisis on the border. Like if you're giving healthcare to illegal immigrants, decriminalizing illegal immigrants, so it's now a civil crime instead of a criminal charge. Yeah. Why would that spike illegal Im- like illegal immigration to the U.S.? Like we have such a broken illegal like immigration status that we need a comp- we need comprehensive. Uh, immigration reform, why are you not trying to focus the, like a lot of these loopholes and problems instead of creating an even larger problem? So I just mm-hmm. feel that the Democrat, like Joe Biden was really good on this. You need, like, he said that he he wanted to keep illegal, uh, like, illegal immigration, like, he wanted to keep it still illegal. And it's important in a general election against Donald Trump to not be so radical because Donald Trump is going to paint such a bad picture of the Democrats. I saw this ad by Donald Trump where all those Democrats were raising their hands, all 10 Democrats from the previous debates were raising their hands for giving healthcare to illegal immigrants. And that just looks like a bad picture. I know, but like, no, my my main concern isn't, okay, what's going to help defeat Donald Trump? Is My main concern is what's going to help these migrants, you know? Because like... At the end of the day, well, these guys, they're trying to flee violence. It's just, how do you necessarily, like, incorporate them into the United States, I guess, you know? Well, I, I, I definitely agree that they have some, the, they, the, I think we definitely need to start working more with Mexico to try to fix that. But, I mean, I think we should definitely um, discuss that, like, in a, another episode. I will say, yeah. right before we end the debate, Donald Trump did get two huge wins. In terms of illegal immigration, I think I, I, I saw headlines saying uh, by Fox News, so I don't know how credible it is, uh, that Donald Trump had two victories on illegal immigration. One was that the Supreme Court ruled that he could take money from the military budget. and Yes, that is true. Uh, yeah, for the war. The second yeah. thing was he worked with um, one of those um, countries. I, I forgot which country it was. They said they were going to restrict illegal immigration from a lot of the other countries coming to the U.S. So Mexico? that should be that's a win. It, it was it wasn't Honduras or El Salvador. It was the other country. I don't remember which one it was, but that's a win for Donald Trump. And with that, we should probably be closing. Yeah. With-
That's true. Thank you so much for listening to Swamp Talk. If you would like us to discuss something in particular, make sure to uh, DM us at, uh, what is it, Swamp underscore Talk underscore? No, it's Talk underscore Swamp underscore. No, it's not. That's our yep. email, stupid. It's TalkSwamp at gmail.com. There, there is no way. Yeah, it is. Bro, you I, made the I account. You're right. Oh, it my is, God. It's swamp underscore talk underscore. Okay, yeah. So make sure to either email us or DM us. Also, we are now on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to this on Anchor and you're tired of using Anchor, which you shouldn't be because Anchor is so great, make sure you can go on to Apple Podcasts and listen to us there. We're on Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We're, like, everywhere, basically. We're going to be going yes. global sooner or later. Email. Email. I already said – Okay. Uh, our email is talkswamp at gmail.com. So if you have any inquiries there, make sure to email us. So, yeah. Great. Bye. Bye. <laughs>